This episode of the show is brought to you by Gamefly.com. Sign up for a free premium 30-day trial using the URL GameflyOffer.com slash RPGamer. Banter Show RP Gamers Editorial Roundtable Podcast. I am Scott Walker, and joining me for this recording are my co-hosts Sam, who's wearing pants, Trent, who's not wearing pants, and Mac, who has a cat in his lap. Cats are like pants. pants. I had to put pants back on because otherwise, claws and yeah. Okay, you 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 need body armor for pan for cats, I guess. Yes. So today, uh, this recording is, of course, us doing our end-of-the-year bugger-off and outsourcing about a third of the content to you, dear listener. We are answering Q&A-type things. You, you posted cues in various outlets. We will A them, and that will be the show. Because we only do this once a year. This is literally my favorite show of the year. With the exclusion of the blooper episode, this is my favorite show of the year. You mean it's not the one where I yell at you the whole time? That's every other episode, though. <laughs> that could also be this episode. You never know. I mean, that's the but thing. It has the capacity to intersect with all three of those options and make Trent super happy. Okay. I just wait. can't wait to A some Q's. Yeah. You know what I mean? You're going to Q some A's in the A? In the Q? A <laughs> in the Q? What is he doing in the A? <laughs> <laughs> uh, we made funnies. <laughs> <laughs> I think they're. I think they're going to take away my uh, non-explicit rating just for that. They might. I'm glad to play. It. They don't actually seem to punish us. We can just claim we're not explicit, and they don't care. In any case, I don't, I don't even care. Yeah, something, something podcast. <laughs> All right. So our first question right off the bat is: uh, Flamethrower would like to know. Uh, what game genres and series we like outside of the RPG spectrum? Dibs. All right. All right. I'll give you mine first because it's pretty quick and easy. Um, other than anything, you know, on Vita, which I'm willing to try <laughs> and you know, take your drink now. I, farming Simulator <laughs> 15 for the Vita. I actually played one of the farming simulator games on Vita, and it was pretty bad. Um, <laughs> not because it was on Vita, because it was farming simulator. Um, not even the Vita can make farming simulator good. Yeah, don't. There's ask. a dedicated following there. There is. I'd rather just go farm. more power to out, them. I can look out my back window and see farms and people farming. That's enough for me. Um, what was I saying? Oh yeah other genres that i like i like anything from telltale pretty much any of those kind of interactive cinematic stuff where you don't really have a heck of a lot of action and i don't care if it's just qts but it tells a good story and you get to make choices i love that crap so like everything telltale's put out since the walking dead season one i have played and enjoyed and would consider to be a great game um and the other genre that i'm kind of hit and miss on and it really depends on it, is Metroid-style games. I hesitate to say Metroidvania, because not every you, you like Metroid is a Metroidvania game. You want more Metroid I, I than Castlevania? Games. <laughs> I just want more Metroid. I want something, I don't care if it has the Castlevania aspects of things, I just want it to be more Metroid. Like, Super Metroid's one of my favorite games of all time. I love, you know, Zero Mission, Fusion was okay, Other M I actually liked, because, you know, screw people that don't like things I like, and tell me that I'm bad for liking them. You know, it's okay if you don't like them, but don't tell me I'm bad for liking them. Oh, God. Other, other M was fun. I enjoyed it. <laughs> right. uh, those two genres, that's me. And, of course, RPGs. I mean, you know, other than that, duh. So, Trent... <laughs> Uh, well, to Max's point, I, I really do like uh, Metroidvania games. 
Uh, and in particular, I, I really, really like the Castlevania games. Uh, my better half can attest that I've invested a lot of time into Castlevania games over the years that we've been together. Uh, I find them uh, stimulating in the sense that I really like gothic games, and I really like horror-based games, but it, it, there's a kind of an action platforming element to them, too. Uh, outside of that, I think more than anyone else on RP Gamer, I really, really like survival horror games. Uh, especially if they're quite thoughtful. So the Silent Hill series is kind of my bread and butter. I did an interview a few years back, back when uh, Book of uh, Memories was coming out on the Vita. Uh, it was a great opportunity for me because it was a chance to put some questions in front of the producers of the series at the time. Obviously, the series has kind of gone dormant since uh, Kojima left uh, PT. Uh, and PT is no longer available to download, so that probably suggests Hashtag that the, fuck Konami. Yeah, <laughs> the series is going to be dormant for some time. Uh, but yeah, I, I really like survival horror games. I feel like I need an experience that's narratively driven um, to, to really get me uh, outside of my comfort zone. And uh, usually RPGs are the avenue for that. But I also really appreciate horror games for that same for that same perspective. Outside of that, we, we play a few platformers and a few party games but it's mostly uh horror and rpg for me uh i i do like shooters i am i i do enjoy to shoot things from the first person's perspective but um not necessarily a multiplayer guy not necessarily interested in really straight up contemporary 20th century warfare as a setting what uh my bread and butter is actually uh something specter called uh immersive sims which is Sometimes an RPG, sometimes a stealth game, and sometimes just uh, an op- and sometimes an open world game. And the the gist of it is is you put down a bunch of systems and you let them interact pretty freely. So and the end result is uh, games that Spectre worked on like uh, Ultima Underworld and uh, Thief and Deus Ex, as well as. Dishonored, which has a lot of thief DNA, including a lead developer, and Far Cry 3 and 4, because that's, again, about just, hey, we've got these mechanics, let's let them run around and interact, and, you know, and, and I guess Far Cry 2 as well, because, you know, adding adding stealth and also fire is <laughs> great. Well, if we're being fair, I mean, you do have a reputation for buying Ubisoft games yes. and then being horribly disappointed by Ubisoft games. Yeah. He does. He likes that box. I know. Well, <laughs> see, th- this is the thing that's no especially... Problems, well, th- this is what really drives it in for me, is something like Far Cry 3 and 4, where it's like, hey, it's an immersive sim. We've got this stealth thing, and a driving thing, and a shooting thing, and a fire thing, and all sorts of other things. And skill but, trees. And skill trees. And then, uh, when we decide we want to actually write something, you're stuck in this stupid little box. And I'm like, you're not letting me let the systems interact anymore, buddy. I'm. And, and can I also just say that as much as I love the Ultima series, with the exception of Ultima 9 and, and Ultima 6 and Ultima 8, actually, uh, I really dislike the Ultima Underworld games. I can't stand them. <laughs> oh, no, they are, they are a rough thing to do. They are a rough go, but as sort of like the barest bones of what would become System Shock, I kind of have to... Sir- I do have yeah. to tip my hat to them for trying, and I appreciate just the level of mucking about you could do, even if it was, at the end of the day, just a long slog through some hallways. Is this the first Ultima mention we've had on the podcast? Because I feel like it's not been really talked no. about. No, we've talked about Ultima before, because yeah, Scott and I have. have both bemoaned the horribleness that was Ultima 9. And, and Ultima 8. The- Ultima 8, to a lesser extent, Ultima 8 was ruined by platforming elements, um, which was, considering that it was an isometric, top-down RPG, was a really poor call. But I I like the idea behind it. It's one of those, like, you appreciate the intention. Like, if only. Like, you you look at it and you go, you were so close, guys. Yeah. So close and and yet so far. The the spellcasting system was also, like, needlessly complex as well. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, no, like, I, the Ultima games, I feel like we haven't really touched on too much. And, it, I mean, the same extent could be said about Might and Magic and, and uh, Wizards and Warriors. I mean, the the big three, the classic Western RPGs that are not really big anymore. 
maybe mean, it would be a good. It, it would be good sort to of talk weird. about them again in the future, but we're not RPG backtrack at well, the same time. At, as much as we're not RPG, I feel like we're not RPG backtrack, but I think there's something that we could do. Maybe, maybe not on this show especially, or as a side a bonus episode for this show, where we just sort of dissect. So what killed the old pillars of Western RPGs? Because there ain't one of them standing anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I liked Quest for Glory. I realized that doesn't count as much. No, no, Quest for Glory was something... Those I loved. I didn't even have a PC, and I played them many years later. And they just made me so happy. Also, why did you... I played Ultima on Super Nintendo. There you go. That's a bad choice. (laughs) That was a bad choice. That's a bad choice. It it was not fun. I didn't like it. I also liked Superhero League of Hoboken, but I wish more had been done with that. Oh, okay, so let's just take a step back, because we actually haven't gotten to Sam. Yeah. And oh, God. what he likes to play outside of RPGs. So, I will play just about anything. This is what I've learned over the years. If it has something that intrigues me, I will play it. Um, and Scott can attest to this, as, you know, I am just one of those people, it's the same when I read. You know, if it has an intriguing idea or premise, I will just jump in and, and see where it goes. There are genres i'm not as big on like i'm not a huge shooter fan unless it's overwatch apparently i couldn't care less <laughs> what's up a- with that because overwatch is basically like team fortress 3 at least from my perspective it, it like, really well here's the thing it really is but i have a weird love obsession with it that i have not been part able of it to is out. i'm gonna no i can tell you exactly why sam is uh big on Overwatch in a way that Team Fortress 2 could never grab her. It is infused with character. There's no story, but there's personality in everything. Yes. Not not just your heroes, but even level design. And Sam is always going to be attracted to personality. Yes. Not character, not characterization, not story. Personality. I'm like my mother. <laughs> but this, that's, that's actually probably absolutely true. Like, and, and that's how I am with a lot of like, video if, games. If they came up with is an equally colorful cast for a MOBA, Sam would Sam would be there. <laughs> but it's MOBAs, and they're shit. <laughs> I do one. Well, what about Smite's a MOBA, but it's third person, and there's characters. Well, I think a game like Overwatch. I mean, I'm not a big multiplayer person, but I have a dedicated group of people that I play Overwatch with. So I think that's also why I enjoy it because to me that's spending time with friends in the way that the Mass Effect multi three multiplayer kind of grabbed me because that's how it feels it's like replaying Mass Effect 3 multiplayer and going oh my god I'm a teenager again this is great (laughs) um (laughs) and that wasn't even good to be honest let's let's be real it was not that great but Sam's Sam's love of Sam's love of personality is also why she plays dating sims and visual novels. Yes, that is probably my biggest outside of RPGs, as I play a lot of visual novels, a lot of point-and-click adventure games. Um, I love Telltale games, like Mac, um, except I hated Game of Thrones. I thought that one was atrocious. And neither of you have played Firewatch yeah, yet, it. so you're doing it wrong. I, I, I will oh, get I'm to Firewatch. Firewatch. You have getting it this week. Firewatch? Okay, at some point, I think we do need to discuss Firewatch because I find it so frustrating to see all these articles come out talking about how it should have ended or how it should have evolved into like some sort of survival horror game. I was so happy with what that game was. Oh no, like that was exactly what they meant to do. Okay, so the game does something. And because uh, indie games are the way they are, people assumed that a thing that happens in the second act would turn it into a horror game, and it turns out that, no, you're just stuck in your own head because you're living in the goddamn woods. Yeah. And Which I'm like, brilliant. that's that's brilliant. That's brilliant. Yes. <laughs> I, like I said, I, and I would probably love a game like Firewatch. It's one I, I've been meaning to get to, admittedly. Like, I only just played Tales from the Borderlands, and Mac was proud of yes. me. Oh, and that it was, game is I, amazing. It was! I, I, like, I see, um... Firewatch in the same way as I see Gone Home, in a sense, um, because it is very personality-driven, and I see why Scott would recommend it to Sam, because it would totally be up your alley, Sam. Uh, it's very charming. Speaking of games that should have been horror, everyone expected to turn survival horror, and that one was built out of the Amnesia engine. Right. Yeah, Gone Home did nothing for me. I was like, not, didn't click with me at all. 
Really? I. Well, that's an. Ex- it's an experience. It's not God, a game. Well, God, and Gunhold yeah, exactly. has the, the issue where. Click with me. Home is an experience. See, not gone home. Home. <laughs> gone it's home has like, the problem of the only way to get the stories is to actually find all the the items, and you're missing chunks of the story if you don't find items. And yeah, you get the why, you get the large you, you get the large why would you gist. Be that kind of game without looking around, like well, no, it's, that's it's just an exploratory it. game. It's it's all about. And I did like, that. Yeah, you, you put you, know. you put a puzzle box in front of someone, and you say, "Hey, to enjoy this and understand the full picture, you need to take the time to pick up all the pieces and put them in the right spot." And then you have these people who just connect eight of them out of the twenty, and they't like, I don't understand what it means that's that's but what I, don't I mean spend any more time here but that's what like, I mean that drives me nuts I think it made sense to me I just didn't I was it just didn't click with me I think You're there dead are, to me. <laughs> I think there are some <laughs> games that sometimes are almost too deeply personal for some people, and I think that is a that great example cancer. of one. um you know one game that I absolutely adored that a lot of people didn't like was digital a love story. And that's another weird one where, again, it's an incredibly personal story, and either you're going to connect with it or you're not. And it's very yeah. black and white like that. Yeah. Scott, you made a good reference with that, Dragon Cancer. That's yeah. a really, in a sense, it's a really beautiful game, um, because you can tell that while it was being developed, the, the person working on it was working through their own issues. Like, you could tell well, that... Well, it, it is not it like, it, it's not them... Well, it's them putting their issues right on the fucking code, right? Yeah. Like, it is literally, right. my kid has cancer and I don't know what. Yeah, and there's a beauty to that, but I think Sam's also right in the sense that you can connect with that and you cannot connect with that. And it's not your fault and it's not the game's fault. It's exactly. Just, it's so, there's a sink. Exactly. Some things always will sync up better depending on your level of connection. Like, I don't think I could play that game, for an example, because that's too close to home for me. And I think it would leave me personally a distraught, awful mess and not in a good way. Whereas I could see other people appreciating that and understanding what someone like that is going through. Because sometimes I think there's also being too close to something that your experience kind of gets ruined. Well, okay, for specifically for that one is it is it's literally uncanny because yes. it is close in many ways and then there's this one element that drives a goddamn wedge for me personally, which I cannot accept, which is uh, the the role of religiosity in the game. Religiosity? Is that a word? Yes, it is it a is, word. It is now. Even if it wasn't before, it is now. <laughs> We've used it on a podcast. On the first question of a podcast at that. Okay, to to that point, I mean, we've spent 10,000 years uh, answering Flamethrower's one question. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> well, it was a big question. It was broad. <laughs> it's a good question. It's a good question. Next one. Are MOBAs RPGs? No. Uh, there's a, no. Well, no. A, we don't cover them, and B, uh, there's a lack of persistence across games. And it's... Yes. And a lot of it came from the fact that when they were kind of becoming more mainstream when League of Legends was first getting ready to launch. They invited us out to take a look at it, and you can see RPG elements yeah, pieces of it, but well, I, I, it's I not enough I, for us to want to cover. No. I did some coverage when I was at PAX East once, uh, and I was speaking to a guy from Riot about their plans for League of Legends, and I just, the whole time I was standing there talking to him, I was like, why am I talking to you? This doesn't sound like anything we would be interested in. And it's not its not like an elitist thing. It's not like a... There's a lot of people out there that will say, if you play a role, you're playing an RPG. PG, exactly. Which, which, which I hate hearing. Not because, not, not because I'm into classification and not because you're back RPG, as it's contemporarily understood, is loaded with narratives and, and characters and... and and a lot of personality it doesn't have the narrative flow or like the through line the emotional punch of like character arcs that you would expect and again so I, 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 I do come I, back I, to the notion of persistence like you you will level up the same character the same way 700 times playing a league because yep. as much as you earn experience of her around it goes away it's done but but to that point, though, those characters, in as much as they're defined by their appearance, 
how else are they defined? Like, they have some sort of vague paragraph-long backstory to, to, like, you know, the developer was trying to create some sort of proof of concept as to why they exist in this universe. But in actuality, there's no growth. There's no change. That's right. Like, there's no story around them. It's not, it's not a part of some grander universe that changes and ebbs and flows. Yeah. And Even- that's, that's, that's why I can't consider any MOBA... Or, or, or even uh, any arena shooter as being an RPG, even if there are RPG elements sprinkled in. Yeah. Even more so than that, it's not the spirit of what they're going for. They're going for a yeah. competitive experience. They're not going for a plain game experience. Even if some driven. of them are there and they'd like to get coverage for these games when there's thousands of them coming out. But that does doth not an RPG make. Yeah. Right. Very true. I mean, like I said, as the person who plays Overwatch of this group, you know, I love that they sprinkle in... It's, I, I wouldn't call it narrative. As Scott said, it's personality. These characters have a storyline that they're kind of talking to in passing to each other. But at the end of the day, I look at it and I go, I'm not really playing a role and I'm not really engaged in the story. What I am engaged with is, you know, using my alt and killing everybody in the arena. It's great. <laughs> Good, it's good for frustration, let me tell you. Alright, so Budai kept hitting us with, uh, what's the most complex JRPG battle system? And it's, I'm gonna say it's <laughs> something from Nisa? Oh, I was gonna say something made by Compile Heart. Like, something that's needlessly complex? complex? Yeah. yeah. Like, tedious and complex aren't necessarily the same thing. Yeah, I was gonna say. Oh, no, I'd no, say I- Resonance of Fate. Ooh, good point. Good point. Resonance of Fate Fate has a hot mess of a battle system. There's a reason I haven't gone back to it yet. Resonance of Fate. I I can't tell you how many times Alex or or someone else has been like, you know, Resonance of Fate is so much better than Final Fantasy XIII. It's a shame that it was swept under the rug. And if we're being fair, yes, it's a shame that Resonance of Fate was launched around the same (laughs) time and, and didn't get nearly enough coverage at the same time. But. I've played that. I played like fifty hours into that game. Do you know what's going on? No. Not not only do I not understand anything that's happening in the narrative, because try try Ace after that up. It's it's garbage. It's nonsense. Try try Ace is the company that makes the most complex, needlessly convoluted battle systems. Yeah. That's that's kind of their shtick, and like they've they've had some really good, successful battle systems. But Resonance of Fate is one of the few where I look at that and I go, I don't feel like I can comprehend like, what they want me to do. Where 13, of, I, I knew exactly what I needed to be doing. Like, I think right. when we're talking about specifically the fight, it's probably something from Comp- Compile Heart. But I feel like Chemco or Nisa has just piled on subsystem after subsystem. Chemco, not so much. Uh, Chemco is I, very bland. Don't Let's not I, even lump them in there. You... I, I, like, I, I, again, if, if we look at the complexity of combat, and if we say the word needlessly complex, I think Resonance of Fate is a good example of something that, I mean, if you're an elitist and you, you think that you're so superior for understanding that system, good you're going to love it. And you're you're going to tell everyone about how great it is and how bad they are at playing that game. But if we're talking about a game that has subsystem after subsystem after subsystem, and so many of them are needless, it has to be a compile heart game. It has to like, be like Mujin Soul Z. That I one was bad. Stuff. That one was actually very bad for that. Yeah. I have so much, like, useless knowledge in my brain of how to play that game, and <laughs> I'll never use it again, because I'll never play that game again. And if they, but, if if you, for some reason, picked up a sequel, it would be completely different for no reason, because that's exactly how that's that also how Compile Heart work. works. Yeah. Mac? It's been a well while since I've accidentally tried to send wheels <laughs> uh, PSN code for Moogan Souls. I need to do that soon. Thanks for the reminder, guys. Well, you you hit that. Hopefully he's not listening to the show. Wheels Wheels has two children. He doesn't listen to podcasts anymore. This is true. We gotta do that, Mac. Oh, Wheels! Here's a gift! Tee-hee-hee. You get way too much love out of doing that. I do have to ding Budai for um, specifically tagging JRPGs. Because, I mean... Well, do a quick two second or a quick 30 seconds on the needlessly complex non-jrpg oh 
Because a lot of them are just needlessly complex to me because I just don't get them. <laughs> I just didn't grow up with them, so all the subsystems and everything that you're expected to know, I'm just like, uh, no. I, I think if we're looking at non-JRPGs with needlessly complex systems, like the first Risen comes to mind for me. Yeah, Risen's a good one. There's there's some there's a lot of stuff out of Eastern Europe that baffles the mind. I'm also going to say... Well, remember Venetica. <laughs> oh, Venetica. <laughs> Venetica, that you watched no me play sense. Venetica, and we sat there a couple times going, do you understand how this works? No? Do you understand how this works? No? How's the review going? I think I understand! No. I finished it, admittedly. Yeah. I remember that. Because uh, cause you found the one button that worked? Yep. Um, I'm also <laughs> going to have to uh, give a shout out to making vehicles in, in GURPS. Because you literally needed to remember trigonometry. To make a vehicle in GURPS. Ugh. No idea what you're even referring to. So GURPS so, is a tabletop game. It is uh, called the Generic Universal Role-Playing System. There's only one person on this podcast who plays tabletop RPGs. I know, but I, I've got so many examples of <laughs> Byzantine nonsense. And I, and I have to listen field. to it whenever it happens. Like organic magic from Shadowrun, or... Accomplishing anything in Fatal or um, anything in Rifts. You know which yeah. complex battle system I liked and I like, actually enjoyed it? I liked it. With Star Ocean 4. I hated the rest of the game, but that battle system was badass. It was great. Because again, Triace. <laughs> but that's what I mean. The one where he's got the site hacked. He's still catching flack. For there was it. the the fact that the site got hacked. The worst part was I re-reviewed it for international edition, gave it a lower score, and I only had one person yell at me, which I thought was hilarious. And Adrian's still bitter about that to this day, by the way, that I was meaner and yet nobody cared. But when he's mean, like the world is over. And the worst part was I think he gave it like was it a three or a three and a half. Uh. It was some. It was a. It was the unforgivable score of three and a half. Okay, because I gave it a two, and I was surprised that I didn't get as much flack. Well, uh, yeah. All I remember was my vagina came up in the conversation. <laughs> All right. So... And we banned that person, so it was great. <laughs> so then, now that Sam's vagina has been mentioned, mentioned, we should go to the next question. <laughs> Other than Joe Abercrombie, which book or book series would be a personal choice to become a video game um i'm going to actually direct this question to a feature we did a couple of years ago we did do that didn't we yes we did um funny enough joe abercrombie was not on that list at the time that we had done that feature because i was busy that week <laughs> no but you actually had the iron druid chronicles as the one that you picked well, and i still maintain that would be well, a really I, fun one. iron druid is more video gamey like, to be honest, Game of Thrones, I actually think, is one of the worst choices for a video game. And the reason, what? like, I mean, I know that the franchise is popular, but hilariously, every video game that they've made for it, and I'm including the Telltale one in this as well, have Double. never entirely captured the spirit of what Martin's world is attempting to create. In fact, a lot of the well, time, I they're think... just very awkward. And okay. it's so George Martin is specifically operating on a non-teleological narrative structure, which is profoundly dissatisfying in games. Yes. So, I well, think the, the idea. I I think the Telltale one is problematic, and that so it gets the the murder and the, the like hits and the scouting. Yeah, it gets all that part right, but the actual overall story is the most dissatisfying well, thing. Well, Telltale didn't grasp the thing that can happen. Like no matter what you do something bad can happen in game of thrones in um song of ice and fire no matter what yep the idea is it's a dartboard some someone something can go wrong for circumstances beyond your control entirely and everything that happens to your characters is still pivoting on the player's axis it's still a player-centric world whereas i think what martin is putting forward is a world where eh, sometimes shit goes wrong whether or not you're a perspective character uh, Joe Abercrombie is a game where you would be a game where your characters are trying to improve themselves, but inevitably backslide while also succeeding at their overt goal. 
It would be a very I'm, well. I'm flashing to uh, Best Served Cold, where you have Shivers, who is overtly uh, trying to just make some money by helping this uh, mercenary general get her bloody revenge, and covertly trying to improve himself as a person, and doing one breaks the other. See. What I see with and the f- then Red Harvest, our uh, Red Country ends with him hugging it out with his uh, hated rival, and Red Har- Red Country's fucking great. <laughs> see, here's the thing about Joe Abercrombie is that I see for a video game, you would get that narrative-driven storytelling that would know how to pace out combat to narrative. I think because I think Abercrombie himself does that fantastically well. The other thing that I think is important when you're trying to adapt fantasy, I mean, and I think this is where The Witcher is incredibly successful, is that it gives enough of the lore without the player feeling like they have to go out and read those books to enjoy it. And I think First Law, like the First Law trilogy and the rest of it, I actually think would be viable in that regard because there is that part of it that is still very much just a fantasy story at its core. I think with the problem, again, with the Game of Thrones games is that there is still this part where you need to have some knowledge of either that television show or those books. And I think that actually takes away from the enjoyment of it being a game. Also, Iron Druid comes with a talking dog sidekick. Well, yeah, you gotta have a talking dog (laughs) sidekick. Jeez. But for the purposes of the show notes, uh, when we post this episode... We will post the feature that we did a couple of years back. I think it's one of the best features we've done, if only because it really shows how people think in RPGs as well as how they read their books. Um, I just, I really enjoyed doing that one. So please read it. All right. So does Trent have a recommendation? Hey, you might as well recommend something. Trent's novel! <laughs> Shameless plug. No. It's tough. I don't. Doesn't have to be a book, honey, a if there's huge... something else. Yeah, I'm not a huge reader. I like to read, but I just never get around to it because I'm usually spending my free time playing games. You're, instead. you're reading the you're reading the cutscenes in your Vita games. Yeah, stuff like that. I, mean, um, I see Mac like combing through the little insert manuals inside of his Vita boxes, like they really relishing their had, physical. If they came in boxes, boxes. if they had hard. manuals, like or so boxes. Complete. You guys are no, killing me. Sony did, um, but I guess when I first started reading, like for pleasure, wasn't until like high school, early college, and even then it was just because a friend recommended like the Dragonlance books to me, and I was like, Ooh, "That's yeah. you know fantasy. I like that kind of stuff, so I'm going to read it." Although points, if anyone can do a good points to anyone who can do a good Dragonlance video game. Oh well, what about Neverwinter? That that's not in Dragonlance. Well, yeah. they're, they're, still like, D&D, aren't, aren't yeah. they within the same universe? Well, okay, you you can you can spell jam your way over if you're if you feed your <laughs> uh, giant space hamster enough. Trent, but no, you, not really. You, Stop you him. Do, do you, you remember the game Lair? Yeah. For, for PlayStation Three, that was originally pitched as a Dragonlance game. Oh yeah. It's like yeah. that Wheel of Time game we were supposed to get, and thank goodness we never got it. Well, just to end this question quick, um, go with another series that the Dragonlance authors, the initial Dragonlance authors, Weiss and Hickman did, was uh, the Deathgate cycle. I like the way that took different worlds and played on different things. I think something along those lines. Well, speaking of Weiss and Hickman, they do have a sort of dragons and airships and musketeers setting thing that they're working on right now. That it, It's called Dragon Brigade, if you want to dig it up. The, the fiction is... No better than anything else Weiss and Hickman did, he said, with the utmost diplomacy. But uh, it is, it's, it's, it's ripe fodder for some sort of RTS action RPG something or other to happen. Yeah. I would want a Peculiar Occurrences uh, RPG, preferably though not in tabletop form, which I know exists. Yeah. Um, I would actually love it as like a half visual novel, half RPG hybrid. Because I feel like that would be really cool. I feel like, no, that's, that's like a buddy action RPG thing where you're switching between, between your characters. characters on the fly. So Ministry of Peculiar Occurrences is a steampunk thing that... Is written slowly, by a husband and wife team. That slowly turns into the inevitable public domain crossover franchise that all steampunk does. But I still Your mileage doing. may vary. 
Still love it. But it's it is it is a slap slap kiss kiss romance with also guns and car chases and explosions and archivists. Yeah, we all know that's my favorite they part. They spend most of their time in the library. The whole first book is about the library. I have Indeed. problems. I like stuff about. I like library fiction. It's also like why. I, it's also why I want Libromancer to be more than just a book series. Okay. <laughs> No, there's a real series! I don't know if you remember, Mac, when we went to Run to the Sun and we went into the Barnes & Noble, I did buy a book called Libromancer. And it's a, it is actually about a man who pulls characters out of books and uses them to fight things. His magic power is goddamn fan service. You know what? It is delightful fan service, and you shut up because you like Jim C. Hines. Yeah, Jim C. Hines is great. That book was not... <laughs> Alright, question time. Question next. I'm giving so, dagger eyes right now. <laughs> switching over to JSCARP, how how can we cope with two Yakuza releases in one year? This is all Sam, or anybody but me, because I haven't played any of them yet. Well, now, now you're even more behind, aren't you? Yeah. <laughs> Sam is not making any noise. She is she can't just... Cope. She is speechless, because... She is without, she is without speech. Her face is frozen in rapture <laughs> at the so concept happy. of having two Yakuza's in one year. One of them I get to play Majima. It's beautiful. <laughs> Jay Scarps, I love you. You understand my feels. Yeah. Next question! <laughs> well, Trent, do you have any thoughts? No, he doesn't. He doesn't like Yakuza, remember? Okay, well, here's the thing. Here, here's okay, no, no, no. I have a spin-off question. Don't say that. I, I don't like. I don't like that friggin' zombie game Yakuza because I think you no, have that to was use dumb. the gun and the gun controls are whack. Yeah. Okay? No, no, that that is dumb and fair. We we don't speak of you know Dead Souls. Dead Souls was a bad but game. Here, here's here's the thing. We have a potential scenario in which we have an 18 month block where. Three Yakuza games and a Shenmue come out. And Shenmue is going to get overshadowed because it's a piece of shit! <laughs> I said it! I said it! Come at me, bros! Come Sam at me, bros! It, not me. Such a fangirl. <laughs> also, if anyone wants to play Yakuza 0 on the site, remember, I will cut you. <laughs> Mac knows what he has to do! I don't, I don't have a problem with that whatsoever. I'm all for cutting. <laughs> I mean, excellent. That. <laughs> but That's yes, wink, wink, nudge. All right, another question. New question. Right, so Jacob he keeps coming at us. So he believes uh, that both modern Tokyo with supernatural stuff and the secondhand Tolkien setting have been done unto death. So what is the setting that we need to see more of, guys? Antarctica <laughs> for survival. <laughs> Well, for a survival horror game, we already got the Thing sequel game. It was terrible. <laughs> I don't want that. But Rise of the Tomb Raider was good, and that was kind sort of, of. But it was not in Antarctica. I want. What kind of setting do I want? <laughs> Dog hotel. No, um, no, no. Uh, I want to be trapped in somebody else's world. Like there's a Simpsons episode where Bart and Lisa get transported to Itchy and Scratchy. It's one of the Halloween episodes. I want something like that, where it's okay, your own you personal want, hell. <laughs> you want something that takes place so far out of your normal realm that it's just crazy. So, yes. how about East Tennessee? <laughs> <laughs> so, well, no, because that's, you know what, to me... me in East Tennessee and see how crazy and weird everything now, is. Now, Matt, there, there is a game coming out that is kind of like that. It's just a shame it's not out yet, which is Y2K. Yeah. Y2K but is probably the... Around here, I'll give you that. It's probably the closest thing I will get to a game within a game within a game. And then, like, random shit happens. That's why I think I end up playing so many point-and-click adventure games. So, uh, what I want is <laughs> another Wuja game. Another, another Wuja, Wuja would be cool. Wuja RPG would be rad. Jade Empire was kind of amazing. Can I just have Jade Empire again? Can well, I just you, play it again? You can buy it on your tablet. Wink, wink. Maybe we'll make another real one. Shut no, they won't. Up. <laughs> Shut up, no, EA. Stop. Don't you fucking dare dangle that carrot in front of me. But this poor boy's heart's been ripped out enough times over this. Yeah. He cries at least once a year about also, it. Also, I don't want a Jade Empire tomb written by Mac goddamn Walters. Ew, God, no. No. We're loved by Obsidian. Maybe Patrick because... Weeks? 
I feel like Patrick Weeks would be acceptable. Pat Weeks was on that team. He wrote the Black Whirlwind. I'm happy. Okay. Wuja! That that is a good setting. Not Shenmu. <laughs> Shenmu's not Wuja. It's Wu boring. Man, we're gonna get so much hate mail over on Shenmu hate. No, I feel like we've cultivated a community of non-idiots. <laughs> Nobody wants to play the forklift game again. Forklift RPG! Can it be like Paw Patrol? <laughs> you know, you've never seen Paw Patrol. Mac, take us away with your idea for a new new setting. Alright, set it. Come right here downtown, <laughs> East Tennessee. Make it happen. Modern hey. day East Tennessee. It'd be Redneckville Central. Y'all want some crazy nut jobs? We got them. Oh my god, oh my god. East Tennessee? The cyberpunk adventure. No. <laughs> With cyberpunk rednecks. We couldn't handle cyberpunk out here. Cyberpunk. That would be... Wow. What about, what about steampunk? Uh, that could steampunk. work too. No, I'm, now I'm thinking cyberpunk East Tennessee. Oh my god. But that I... would be an amazing setting, I think. It has to be at Dollywood. <laughs> Trent. Yeah. yeah. Save me from Dollywood. I would go to Dollywood. Hey, I got season passes, baby. <laughs> Take me to Dollywood, Mac! They got roller coasters. Yes! You can go for the rides. Like I wouldn't go for the shows, but hey. Alright, we're I sorry. Got in my backyard, yo. Okay, oh next God. question. Go, Trent, before I want to talk about oh, Dollywood. Sorry. Uh... I, you know what? All the settings that have already been tabled have been better than my best suggestion, so <laughs> y'all go ahead. <laughs> you know, though, to be fair, a theme park would be kind of an interesting one. Like, I know they just put out Nuka World. It, it missed the mark on being a theme park RPG just because it doesn't have theme park nerds as a viable faction. Yeah, that that's odd. They, they, they really missed that ball, and that's a whole they, other And episode. the worst part is they could have called it Ride Warriors. Also true. But uh, Jay Scarp's next question is, what game are you most annoyed about not playing, finishing, or slipping into your backlog this year? Hmm. That's a good question. I think for me, one of the games that I have been... Does it have to be from this year? Is that what he specifically said? Well, I, I'm still upset I've never like played through The Witcher 3, and well, I still need to. But well, it's still like, on the is... 2016 radar just by virtue of having Blood and Wine come out in this uh, this year. And I'll join you in that, because I totally meant to finish Dragon Age 3 this year and didn't touch it at all. He's at the very end, which is even sadder. Like, well, he basically gonna... has one quest Wait. to do, and he's done. Well, do, is that the main campaign, or are you talking about the DLC? Because a lot of the DLCs... Just the main campaign. Main campaign, but now if I were to pick it up again, I'd clear out the DLC and then just knock out that last five-hour chunk. I mean, to be fair, like, I, and Sam can probably attest, because I know she's also played through all the DLC, like, the first couple packs were pretty decent, but I think, I think the same team that worked on Knights of the Republic, or, or the Old Republic, I should say, they developed the boss for some of the latter DLC The ones, the one that was in the Dwarven Tunnel, that was bad. That was horrific. That was I remember you and that, I cried was, together over that one. I, 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 at that moment, when I was playing that, I was like... I don't even know what Bio Bioware thinks that they're doing anymore. You can't create an MMO-type boss that requires tanks and healers and, and DPS that characters. One, that one was in, a mess. In a, game that, in a game that isn't built around that structure. Like, it was such a, a, a short-sighted move. Like, well, it was really frustrating. That makes me. that even more disappointing, given that the very last DLC they put out for it was, fena was phenomenal. It was great. The one that has to connect with the ending. That is. Right. So, uh, I was going to say I am Setsuna, but I just didn't. I gave up on that game pretty quickly, so I don't feel bad about leaving it in my backlog. Right. Yeah, I, I didn't buy that because you told me not to. <laughs> I haven't it, bought it also because Max said not to. It just didn't. It was like old school in the way that when somebody does something these days and they try to make it an old school RPG or try to recreate the classics, I expect the feel of the old school and the nostalgia of the old school, but not the mechanics and the tedium of the old school. I want more modern mechanics in that front. And I felt like Satsuna was just, it was like, eh, we're going to make a Super Nintendo style RPG and we're going to make it for the PS4 and you're going to like it. And we're not going to put much more into it than that. We just want to try to get people that are interested in Chrono Trigger to scoop it up and say, hey, we want to play. Best we love game this. Ever. We love Chrono Trigger. 
best game but, ever. No. Other, me, other games? One that I wish I had gotten to this year was Digimon. Because the Digimon game... Every, okay, so from what I've heard, the localization is not that great. Fine. But apparently... Name one-time Digimon has a good localization. True. Um, but one thing that does have me interested with Digimon, um, and both Alex and Adrian have stated this, was the battle system was actually quite fantastic. Especially if you liked Persona. So that is something where the fact that the Digimon has a, a social system and, like, again, a Persona-style battle system, I actually kind of want to make some time and go back to that. Because I think I only put in about an hour and then I ended up swamped with review titles. And that's partially why I think that one kind of slipped for me. Because um, I was playing it on Vita and I was really, I was enjoying it. Like, the bit that I had played. And then just for some reason, I never got back to it. Oddly, I'm playing Fallout 4 right now because all of a sudden it's the holidays and for some reason open world games and I are back to being friends again. I still don't think it's that fantastic, but I still can't stop playing it. Okay, so Trent? Um, well, I, I'm lucky this year in the sense that Trent. I was really good at getting through some of my backlog items. I cleared through everything I wanted to clear through in Witcher 3. I finally finished with Fallout 4. I'm not even bothering with the DLC. I, I felt so meh about the whole Fallout 4 experience. Well, like, if it helps, if it helps, each DLC is a microcosm of the main game, just in a new location, and somehow slightly worse. Alright, it does help me feel yeah. bad, not feel bad about never going back to that. Yeah, that's, that's fine. <laughs> um, I guess... The one thing that I kind of wish that I had gotten back to faster was uh, I, I was playing Omega Ruby, and I, I recognize that's not a newer release. Uh, and it, it took me maybe like a year and a half to beat the game. Um, I used to be so attuned with the Pokemon game, but a lot of these newer games, and I, and I count this remake of, of Ruby in... And I count that remake uh, uh, as being a part of the newer games. It, there's something about the tone or the vibe that just doesn't really grasp me like the older games did. Um, I'm finding that Pokemon Sun, there's a lot more to like, and I've been playing it more consistently, but I'm kind of afraid that I'm going to fall back in the same kind of slump. You know what? I totally agree with you about Omega Ruby. I did finish it this year as well, but I really struggled with it at times. Like There was just something about the design of it. It felt very obtuse compared to other Pokemon games. It definitely was one of those right. games where it was so much harder to know where you had to go next or how right. to solve a puzzle. And like, part of me is like, it's Pokemon. I feel like this should be really obvious. And that one was actually very much a case where, no, it actually wasn't. Right. Or, and, and I mean, if we're being fair, I didn't really love the original releases of Ruby. I never Sapphire. played them. So for me, this was my first. Yeah. I, I am enjoying Moon. I have been playing Moon on my commutes home. It makes me very happy. It's definitely one of the fresher Pokemon games. I like a lot of the changes they've made. I also like that I can play Dress Up. All right. Uh, I like Dress Up. Yeah, Dress Up is great. And uh, JScarp has one last question for us, which are, is that, are there any RPG subgenres that are not being served at this point? And if not, is that a sign of the bubble in the industry that's going to burst? And I think... Honestly, I think the industry is pretty capable of supporting itself. I think if there were a yeah. real concern, a couple of the bigger genres would have collapsed already. And I think really the only underserved subgenre is the Zelda clone. Like I am mm. consistently I would, no, I would disagree. I'm consistently surprised that we aren't getting like two of those a year. I'd go with tactical RPGs until... I was going to say strategic RPGs. Yeah, until recently, I feel like they've all either been such different spin-offs of what we really want, or Disgaea, you know, just more Disgaea, something along those lines. And then, you know, out of nowhere, the little indie Japanese game, Mercenary Saga 2 and 3 hit, and I'm like, where were these games? Why did I not know about these games? And they're... Circle probably loves you so much for loving them right now. They do, because they're good. That's the best part about it. At least Mercenary Saga 2, uh, 3, I'm still early on in, and the localization's not as strong as 2. But Mercenary Saga 2 reminds me of playing Vandal Hearts or Shining Force back in the day. I'm definitely wanting to pick modern, those up. It has modern design, like I was talking about with the last question. It's not 
you know, just the same old school crap that you were used to. It's got modern design on things. Like, it has a, instead of a multi-class system where you can just, any characters you have can be whatever, like, you know, Final Fantasy Tactics, stuff like that. It does what Shining Shining Force and Battle Hearts do, is you get a character who's unique, has their own style of combat, and when it's their time to upgrade classes at level 10, you can pick from two branches. So you can either have your swordsman become, you know, a higher hit swordsman where he takes, you know, does more damage and is less tanky, or you can have like the paladin style character who is, you know, more shielded and stuff like that. But even cooler is you get to keep all of your unlocked skills. So if you unlock both the paladin and the warrior style job classes and spend your, you know, your SP points, your skill points going into those, you can unlock every skill in the game for all the characters if you want to spend that money, if you want to grind for it. It just gives more design and more flexibility than so many of the others, and it gives you that focused narrative instead of being like, well, what do I want to make this character? I want to make them all the same, or you know, things like that. That's what always drives me nuts about Final Fantasy Tactics and Tactics Ogre and stuff like that is not that they're bad games, but they give me choice paralysis, and I feel like this has helped serve that underserved genre for me. I, you know Something what? I love the fact, though, that you're bringing up games from Circle, because I think they have put up some of the neatest little games. Like, I really enjoyed Adventure Bar Story when I played it last year. Like, I didn't think it was perfect, but what I love the fact is that it was an item shop game that still had, you know, just some turn-based combat and you still had to go into your store and sell stuff. And like, it gave you just a nice balance of sim and RPG the way that yeah. a game like Reseteer did. And mm-hmm. I've been, I was really happy with that. I actually also like Adventure Labyrinth Story, which we haven't really discussed. It's a roguelike. Um, it's a, it's a much simpler style roguelike. Like it reminds me of a game I played years ago called Curse Loot. Um, which is one of those, again, it's a roguelike, but you get to keep your items. It doesn't punish you the way that a lot of roguelikes do. And it's just one of those games where you can just crank out, so you, you know, a session. It's, it's roguelite? Shut up, Scott. <laughs> I mean, and then there's Faerun, I'm which... I'm continuing, I'm trying to come up with a better term <laughs> for it, because if you played Rogue, you know that maybe a lot of games that get tagged with a roguelike aren't rogue-ish. Yeah, 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 yeah. Enough. Shut up. And then there's Faerun, which um, is kind of like Half Minute Hero. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I've been kind of impressed with some of just these smaller games. I like that Circle actually puts like a really good budget price on them because yeah. they understand that like they're not anything crazy groundbreaking. But, you know, mm-hmm. five bucks, I'm willing to give that a go. Yeah. And much like um, on, a, on the opposite end of Kimco, you know, Kimco and circle are both publishers so they're not the ones doing the actual development for these but they kind of have the overall branch that you expect from it it's just nice to see a lot of variety and like you said it's it's super inexpensive um just looking at like adventure bar story and adventure uh whatever i can't labyrinth story adventure labyrinth story Uh, they're both made by Rideon incorporated in japan and so are the Mercenary Saga games, you know. I'm trying to remember it's who does Faerun. Nice Faerun is a completely different... Yeah, it's, it's different. But, like, Circle's got the variety that Kemco doesn't. Kemco seems to continue to just churn out the same turn-based I, game. I feel like that yeah. might be diverging mission statements on each company. Like, Kemco, yeah. Kemco's stated goal is to be the same thing every week. Yeah. <laughs> yep. And, I, I mean... You you can you can say I'm being facetious for saying every week, but no, literally they did that every week for a year. Yeah, and that was really painful. That was hard. Uh, but Trent, go are, is there a genre you feel is underserved, or is is there some element that's going to completely collapse in on itself? Um, well, I might be in the minority by saying that as far as strategy RPGs go, I'm not in love with Fire Emblem. I wish that I liked Fire Emblem more than I actually do, if we're being frank. Um, and it's it's a subgenre of role-playing games that I don't think there are a lot of players in anymore, mm-hmm. uh, which is kind of unfortunate. Um, but well, it's, it's I think I think strategy RPGs kind of chased their tail for a while. That that they were they found like one specific yeah. play style for strategy RPGs and catered to that a little too hard and a little too long. Right. 
Um, but I, I, part of the question was uh, in regards to the RPG bubble, and I don't think there is such a thing, for being frank. Um, it it burst in the been... PlayStation 2 era, and we're happy now. <laughs> I mean, you can say that because the PlayStation 2 era had just, like, oodles, oodles of uh, JRPGs and tactical RPGs. Well, and just but now people, kinds. people are, are really falling in love with uh, not only Western-style RPGs, but JRPGs that are akin to, like, the Souls games. Um, so I would say it's a different era of RPGs, but that's always been the case. It's always been an evolving scene. And with every year, you're seeing... There was a few years back, Mac might remember, I did a, a statistical analysis of the the subgenres over time yep. for, for RPGs. And you saw how, like, in some years there was this explosion of JRPGs, and in some years we saw just a, a ton of tactical or strategy RPGs, and there was these weird ebbs and flows over time. Um, and what you find is that you're still seeing usually the same amount of RPGs over time, and they're still getting a fair amount of coverage as far as popularity. It's just different subgenres gain different levels of popularity, and I think there's a beauty to that, because I don't worry well, about... Well, the that's a thriving ecosystem, right? Is yeah. that, you know what, one, once a certain... Like, one, like if, ambu if ambush predators get a little too viable, then uh, the, de the herbivores get savvy and they you know thrive for a little while and then the pursuit predators catch up right right so to that point i don't worry about the rpg going extinct uh i just think it's gonna it's gonna exist in different forms that may not be the same <laughs> fair enough fair enough so our last question because we've been rolling along for a while now is uh, from dear old Donald Mick, who wants to know, what is the most sought-off 2016 moment of the year for games? Hmm. I'm sorry, can you repeat the question? So, his exact phrasing is, what had the most sought-off 2016 moment of the year? What game had sought-off? S-O-D-off, not sought-off like a shotgun. Like, yeah. screw-off, this sucks, not... What what does that mean, though? I don't I, understand. He, what is the he had 140 characters. He didn't elaborate well enough either. I think it's VR. <laughs> I think it's when VR. You, oh, off, I, you took off. mine. You took mine because I was thinking the exact same thing. VR. VR was dumb. Well, VR is about four years from being good. And in those four years, it's going to die again, just like it did in 1996. Remember the yeah, virtual boy? Like, they used to go on about how VR was going to be great in the 90s. What yeah, happened? I hate to be in the consensus, but yeah, VR has never appealed to me. So, I tried it out at Best Buy, tried out the demo, and was like, tried out two different demos on the PlayStation VR, and both of them were just like, nope, yeah, no like, interest. Like, honestly, the hardware is at a point where it, it, it's not right. It's not ready. If if you were going to convince me it's viable, you need to show me a machine that can render 8K video at $300, and oh, look, that won't happen for a decade. I'm, I'm kind of heartbroken that my next Until Dawn game came out that way. Uh, that wasn't a real Until Dawn game. Oh, I game. know, but I wish they hadn't put that name on it. I, okay, to that point, though, my problem with VR is that, A... The experiences, and I do call them experiences, are more like mini-games. They're way too short. Yep. If you're a fan of narrative or, or structure or character, they don't exist in VR because they can't exist in VR. Because if you were to play VR for long, extensive periods of time, which many of us do with RPGs, you would get this weird out-of-body feeling that would make it really hard to return to reality when you took the headset off. I think people want that. I still think people really desire that, but there's been nothing out, nothing even remotely close to hitting anything like that whatsoever. I don't want to live in a world like Dot .hack, okay? <laughs> I'll change my, my thing since you all have said VR and taken that. I'm going to say people freaking out over the Nintendo NX slash Switch and everybody that's like freaked out and panicked about it and worried about it and 
given like going nuts about it as far as all the specs and all of the complaining and everything like well, we don't know or we think this and just everything related to people freaking out over the nx slash switch it's called this past shut year. up and I'm excited wait till for it, it gets here yeah i'm excited for it i want one but i'm not picking apart every little rumor and detail that comes forward and i'm not freaking out about any of the rumors or things that come forward about it because who gives a crap you know if you like what it is enjoy it and who cares about the specs if you think it was going to be a portable ps4 with as much power as that you were pretty much delusional from the start and you should have been paying attention because there's no way anything like that was going to happen yeah, it may get some cool ports. Being able to play Breath of the Wild, the new Zelda game, on the go is fantastic to me. Because, you know, I'm team handheld all the way. You're team but, handheld on the toilet. <laughs> yeah, but who cares about all the specs and rumors? Just seeing people freak out over this has been so annoying this year. Well, okay. So if, you know what, that that might be our next episode. Or the next two is, is a Nintendo is doomed. Or the Nintendo is doomed and the mid-cycle hardware update thing. I don't know which, and I don't know when. So you mean the episode is why Nintendo is such a special snowflake? Well, there's that episode, and there's also the episode where, no, really, we're getting this weird mid-cycle thing that isn't making any sense to anyone. But um, Feedback! But, well, before we get a feedback, of course, this episode is brought to you from the fine folks at Gamefly a brand new streaming online service that lets you play up to 8,000 games on your smart TV or through their set-top box. Uh, there's 8,000 titles to choose from, and normally I would do this in post-production, but because this is a Q&A episode and we're freewheeling, I would like to recommend everyone to recommend an ep- a title from 2016 that people should pick up on this wonderful service that you can subscribe to through gameflyoffer.com slash rpgamer start with one game for one month for free right now uh sam game wow, this year. That, that promo class is just coming to life here look i i spent look i'm gonna tell you something straight up these affiliate deals they hand you a little packet and i've only taken 26 weeks of writing for advertising and i know this <laughs> packet is goddamn terrible it's enough. that's all right Okay, so a recommendation title. for 2016? Yeah, that you could stream. Um, oh, that you could stream? Oh, I don't know. Uh, the, the list is big. The list is big for this year. Can I stream? If it's a console title, you probably can. I'm trying to even remember what I played this year that I'd be like, oh my god, this is the thing you should play. I have no idea what you can like, stream and what you can't, so I'll just say go ahead and play Trails of Cold Steel 1 and 2. Good answer. Th- those are good answers. You can rent them on Gamefly. Yeah. I suspect so, they do have some support. I'm trying to remember like what I played this year that were 2016 RPGs. That's a little sad, I'm realizing. Um, you know what would be fun to stream? Overwatch. That's oh, not that's an RPG, defi- right? That's definitely a thing. <laughs> okay, it's not uh, I'll pick something else. I'm sorry. Trent pick something while I think. Overwatch. Um, okay. Um, well, I would suggest uh, Batman Return to Arkham if you haven't played Arkham Asylum or Arkham City. Um, I, I really, I really personally enjoy the Rocksteady games, and I'm kind of hopeful that we're able to see more Arkham-like games in the future. Maybe not necessarily another Batman Arkham game, uh, but from what I hear, that collection is really solid. I haven't had the chance to pick it up yet, uh, but I loved the games, and I'm. That was awesome. I, I can agree with that. I thought that was wonderful. Overwatch is totally streamable. So yes, I go with Overwatch because I am a tool. That's right. Nerf this! (laughs) (laughs) The fact that she is... There's actually a poster of Sam posing and then the text says Nerf this because she's wearing Overwatch cosplay. Oh dear. To be fair, if I was to cosplay someone from Overwatch, it would probably be the Anti-Fun, also known as May. Just because that's what you wear every day to go to get to the bus to go to work. That's right. Because we live in Canada. But I'm going to say for uh, 2016 on Gamefly right now, you know what? I'm going to join. I'm going to uh, alleviate my own complaint of lack of Zelda clones and tell you to try the Warmastered edition of Darksiders. It's uh, shiny and new for new hardware and uh, it lets you play 
Darksiders again. And hilariously, none of us said Final Fantasy XV. Well, is that a game for 2016 we should be recommending? You know, Game of the Year is going to be interesting this year. That's for sure. I didn't think about it. No, it's not. It's Bastion again. Yes. It's not Bastion again. Bastion did come out on Xbox One this month, so... Yeah, exactly. That means it qualifies, which means it wins. But it's also not Bastion again. Sorry, Scott. Bastion can't win every year. Yes, it can. Yes, it should. It's the game of your heart. We know. In your heart, it can. You can let it win in your heart. I think it's sad that Scott... Always asks for Bastion every year. I never, tell me, even, tell me, Bastion is not the greatest game. Even the year game. that The Witcher won, and he loves The Witcher, but he's still convinced that Bastion should have won. Yes, because Bastion is this tight, wonderful little experience. Dear, dear, stop it. Never. Bastion can't win at everything. Yes, it can. Yes, it should. Hey, I dig my hole. You build a wall, and we just end it like that. <laughs> All right. Uh, also, can can the Bastion narrator and uh, the Dark Soul, uh, the Darkest Dungeon narrator, have a rap battle? <gasps> that'd be, be amazing. Good. Yeah, that'd be right. Hey, as that hell. wall is gonna fall, and I want to be on the right side of that wall. Especially right. when insanity kicks in. Oh dear lord. Okay, so we did have one legit feedback from last week, which was, uh, you know, just a recommendation for some doo-wop. <laughs> Wait you, want me, wait, you want me to sing Lauren Hill? Because I can sing Lauren Hill. No, it's... That... I know it's real doo-wop, but I think Lauren Hill's doo-wop is better. No, it, it is she got hooligans, yo. I, I named the episode also the name of a doo-wop song, and someone was like, hey, that's a doo-wop song. Yes, it is. So the silhouettes, uh, you should listen to them. Boy, you know you better. Watch out. What can I say? I like Lauren Hill. <laughs> <laughs> That's the only doo-wop that exists in my heart. I don't care that she's a crazy person. <laughs> so, uh, catch us next time when we will be talking about... The Miscommunication of Lauren Hill, the greatest album... <laughs> greatest or, uh, album ever. This, so I can go listen to some epic rap battles of history, okay? Yeah. Yep, sounds uh, good. Obviously, you should leave comments on rpgamer.com's forums and uh, recommend us wherever fine podcasts can be recommended. Yeah, and even where non-fine ones can be recommended. Because we're awesome and shit. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Happy holidays, suckers! Get me off Indeed. this podcast. <laughs> yes, y'all have a great rest of the you day. You too. Sam needs to stop playing Overwatch. <laughs> <laughs> no, don't take Overwatch away from me. It's wonderful. Can't take Overwatch away I have, I have problems. I love it so much. All right. Diva's not even my main friend. We'll catch you later. Later. All right. Much love. See y'all. I'm Commander Shep, and this is my favorite podcast on the internet. The Active Topical Banter Show is an RP Gamer production, all rights reserved. Visit rpgamer.com for contact info, discussions, and other great content. Music by Nubuo Ematsu, arrangements courtesy of ocremix.com.